Flight Guys Turkey, coming to you weekly from Istanbul. Your smart guide to the state of Turkey. Welcome to Zeitgeist Turkey. This is Cansu Çamlıbel. After a pause for several weeks, we are back in action with my co-host, Zeitgeist Turkey co-host Can Selçuki. Hi Can. Hi Cansu. Good to be back. How are you? Good to hear you. I'm good. Thank you so much. How are you feeling with this summer in full swing? Although I know Istanbul has been rather chilly in the last days, the rest of Turkey is quite hot. I mean, we reopened our offices, of course, in a very controlled manner. Some of our staff are still working from home. Quite frankly, it feels good to be back out there without abandoning caution, obviously. And the weather is, I must say, it's helping because, as you said, Istanbul is rather chilly. So it's, we're not really feeling the full heat of summer. So all in all, I'm, I'm in a good mood. Well, I see that you have been feeling the heat of the TV studios recently quite a lot. <laughs> Yes, this has been a uh, productive couple of months for me vis-a-vis TV appearances. Apparently, as you know, politics gets hotter, there's more interests for posters to appear on, on TV and national media. So I'm trying to make the most of it. Exactly. This is actually what I am trying to get at. So it's not just the weather. Also, the political scene in Turkey has been heating up dramatically since the COVID-19 lockdowns ended in most of the country, as you said, since the beginning of June. Certainly, this has been a special week in Ankara, as all the state institutions had been getting ready for Wednesday ceremonies to commemorate the fourth anniversary of the July 15 failed coup attempt of 2016. And of course, uh, this past Wednesday, was the big show for President Erdogan. He appeared at the Turkish parliament. Several other ceremonies took place in the symbolic spots in Ankara and in Istanbul. John, personally, I'm not in favor of spending too much time on what had transpired that day in 2016, uh, because I believe if Erdogan's government was serious about finding and penalizing the perpetrators of that horrendous night, They could have easily done that, but instead they chose to instrumentalize the memory of that night to consolidate the fearful AKP base. And since then, they have been ruling the country with an iron fist. The government does not want us to learn the very details of that night. I would be very happy to host, for instance, then the chief of staff, now the defense minister, Hulusi Akar, whether in English or in Turkish, to pose all lingering questions on my mind. But of course, him, other key key actors of that night, when they appear in front of journalists on Turkish TVs, those journalists are usually directed not to pose those tricky questions. What took them so long on that day, on July 15th, to stop, to halt all the operations of uh, Turkish Air Force after they were tipped off that an attempt was in the making, an attempt was being cooked. We know from several sources right now that at least several hours ahead of the coup attempt, the government was tipped. Jansu, my views are not that different, quite frankly. Obviously, there was an attempt to overthrow the government four years ago, which 
luckily did not succeed. Like you said, and I agree with this, indeed, there are many uh, aspects of that night that are still in the dark and we need, the government actually needs to shed more light on. And the reason this is necessary is because, you know, we don't want a similar event taking place in the near or, or distant future. In order to avoid such a uh, threat, I think it's very important that everybody knows in a way that's satisfactory the details of that night. But of course, to prevent such things from happening in the future, what's also important is obviously, you know, reinstitute meritocracy, increase democracy, increase transparency in governance, which saddens me to say that Turkey has been regressing in the past four years. Also, a lot of the, the court uh, cases vis-a-vis the failed coup attempt have been prolonged for so long that there's also a feeling of injustice. Coming back to the real debate for today, it feels like we are going to be talking about this for a longer time. Almost two weeks ago, President Erdogan announced that his government will be opening Hagia Sophia for worship on the 24th of July. This decision was in the making. We knew that. This decision was debated so many times before in the last years. But everybody thought, including myself, by the way, that this was just political talk. They chose a very symbolic day. July 24th is not an ordinary day. It's the anniversary of the Lausanne Treaty. It symbolizes... Atatürk's Turkey, the founder of the Turkish Republic, who had his signature in turning Hagia Sophia into a museum. According to some observers in Turkey, the step of President Erdogan to convert it back to a mosque and to open it to Muslim prayers is very symbolic in the sense that he wants to tarnish, he wants to bring down one of the key symbols of secular republic. Even the Nobel Prize winner Orhan Pamuk, who in the past had given support to the reforms of the early AKP governments, had said that this is directed at the secular nature of, not in the exact words, but this is actually what he was pointing at in his interview with the BBC last week, that this decision apparently is attacking the secular nature of the Turkish Republic. The opposition parties really tried to scold Erdogan over the selection of that day, that he was indeed attacking the legacy of the Republic, the secular Republic, and that of Atatürk. I mean, leave aside the symbolism of that day, I'm not sure if the, the venue can be prepared quickly enough so that A, it's suitable for Muslim prayer, but B, that the pace of the preparation does not damage uh, any of the historical artifacts that are uh, in the building. You know, from these two perspectives, I think the date is is rather an unfortunate one. And if the government is sincere in refusing these allegations, it's a very easy change for them to do, you know, just postpone it a week or two to another Friday and then, you know, open it up uh, to, to Muslim prayer on another Friday. The opening of Hagia Sophia to worshippers and mass prayer was one of the dreams of the Turkish Islamism since the 50s and the 60s, maybe. And Erdogan and his friends, his comrades, come from this school where the conversion of Hagia Sophia into a museum is considered a betrayal to Islam. 
and maybe even oppression of Muslims in Turkey. So ending this, in a way, has the symbolism that the person who ended this misery, in inverted commas, obviously, might be feeling that he will go down in history as a, as a second conqueror. So these are all the questions uh, that needs to be answered. Do you think politically conversion of Hagia Sophia would bring back the votes AKP lost in the last two years? Short answer is no, but let me give you a longer answer, obviously. Now, first, let me maybe set the stage by giving you some figures as has become my habit to do so. In mid-June, we asked our respondents at Türkiye Raporu survey to tell us which of the following statements they agree with the most regarding Ayasofya. So here are the four statements. Ayasofya should become a place of worship for all religions, supported by 13%. Ayasofya should become a mosque, 47%. Ayasofya should remain a museum, 38%. And Ayasofya should become a church again, 2%. This is a very clear picture that says there isn't that kind of an overwhelming demand in the society vis-a-vis repositioning Hagia Sophia uh, as a mosque. So this is a very strong request from uh, some part of the Jumhur Alliance, you know, AK Party, MHP base, but this is not a across the political parties situation. For example, when you look at the political breakdown, uh, 70% of AK Party voters think that it should become a mosque, whereas only 49% of the MHP voters uh, actually thought that it should be a, a mosque. So even within their own base, this is not a, you know, this is a supported issue, but it's not a high demand issue. So from there, I want to come to your original question. Would this provide an opportunity for uh, AK Party to make up for some of the electoral uh, losses that it's been suffering? Turning off uh, Hagia Sophia into a mosque is something nice to have. You know, people are happy about it. A part of the base, as I've said, the most pious base has been wanting this for generations, even before Mr. Erdogan. But for the majority, it's not a game changer. It's something nice to have. So from that perspective, from you know elections, uh, calculus perspective, I don't think this has that kind of a bearing. Now, on the other hand, we should also take a look at how the opposition responded to this, uh, which is very closely related with the, the electoral calculus. Now, the opposition stayed very calm, especially uh, the main opposition, secular CHP, remained very calm and said that, you know, there would be international repercussions. This is not good for the for the image of the country. But if you guys want to do it, why don't you just go ahead and do it? What's the big deal? You know, this reaction didn't really spark the kind of argument between, you know, the conservatives and the seculars that perhaps our party would have hoped for. John, can uh, that you pause there ha- for a second? Are you implying or are you, when you when you try to make sense of why now and why Erdogan took this decision, is it your feeling that he was actually hoping for a fight, a bigger fight with the opposition? I think yes, but that was not the only reason. This would be a welcome side product, let me say. If they fell into this fight, I am sure in a country like Turkey, uh, the opposition parties who would be willing uh, to pick up a fight with Erdogan over Hagia Sophia would be definitely hurt. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely, because, you know, there are already only a handful of uh, issues where the opposition can really have a, you know, a competitive fight with Erdogan. And, you know, when it comes to an issue like this, which contains very high religious sensitivities, there is no way that the opposition come out of this uh, as the victor. Mm-hmm. So judging by his leadership profile in the last 30 years, he would be hoping for a legacy. So there is a legacy dimension of this decision, obviously. But there has to be a practical reason to understand the timing of this decision. So maybe he thinks he has little time to do this because he is losing popularity. But this is also not very plausible because he is not someone who would give up on his ambitions for ruling the country for a longer period of time. And then if not the snap elections, why? I mean, seriously, this question is not answered. From where I'm standing, there is a there isn't even the slightest possibility of snap elections in the next six months. And, uh, you know, I stand firm with the statement. You have been saying that. You have been saying that for the last four months, especially during all those episodes that we did during the coronavirus outbreak. And now you're saying the same thing after the Ayasofya decision. This is interesting. And the reason is, first, Again, let me give you some numbers. There is no demand in the population for early elections. Not that it matters that much if there's demand for elections or not. But nonetheless, again, in the poll that we did mid-June, we asked uh, the respondents if they think there should be early elections, and 61.2% said no, whereas only 32.8% said yes. Only 18% of AK Party voters said yes whereas only 19% of MHP voters uh, said yes uh, to a, an early election. So from an electorate's perspective, there is no demand uh, for early elections. But second, the economy and unemployment is at its darkest right now, right? And I know that there's a feeling, uh, there's a belief, uh, more correctly, in Erdogan's administration that we are having our darkest hour and it can only go up uh, from here until, say, 2020-2023. So it would be madness to actually call for snap elections at this darkest hour uh, of the economy. And this is actually supported by the polls as well. I mean, it's not a foregone conclusion that, you know, if Erdogan uh, were to uh, call for uh, early elections, that he could indeed secure uh, 51% of the popular vote. So all these combined makes a snap election in the next six months possible, but not probable. Hmm. Now, Hang on, hang on. You're making this analysis from the perspective of President Erdogan, from the perspective of AKP. What about his coalition partner, his alliance partner, Mr. Bahçeli and MHP? Do you think they're on the same page in terms of this darkest hour and trying to get by 2020 and then everything will be slightly moving uh, to a positive phase next year and then so on? Or is there a chance that once again, MHP leader David Bacheli calls the shots and he forces an early election, a snap election? What about that option? I don't think that's an option either for uh, a number of reasons. 
First, we've seen in the past that Mr. Bahçeli is not really motivated by vote share of his party. If you remember back in 2001, when he called for early elections, which wasn't necessary at all because the economy was on its way back, on its way to recovery, and, you know, the, the indicators were improving, and, you know, early elections were really premature, and that actually decision caused his party to be wiped out from politics in the, in the 2002 uh, elections. I mean, so he doesn't really care about uh, the calculus that much. But a second reason why I don't think he would be thinking in these dimensions is because I think it's very difficult now to think about the MHP and AK Party as two separate entities when it comes to elections, because that alliance is so rigid that it's very difficult for uh, individual actors to sort of move on their own. There would have to be a colossal disagreement that would cause the alliance to break up. But I don't think that's happening because if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Erdogan sent out a tweet saying that social media should be banned. We can ban social media. It's getting out of hand. And then Mr. Bacheli tweeted saying that as long as there is no satisfactory law that regulates social media, that he and his comrades would boycott Twitter. During that time, because Erdogan's tweet got so much reaction, Erdogan had deleted that tweet. But after Mr. Bacheli tweeted, he had to repost that tweet. So, you know, even in a disagreement like that, Mr. Erdogan chose to find the middle ground with Mr. Bacheli. So I don't think a breakup of the alliance is in the cards. Therefore, I don't think that Bacheli would actually call snap elections on his own. Maybe David Bacheli is the only person uh, in Erdogan's political career that he is showing this much of gratitude. No, you're absolutely right, because he really needs Mr. Bacheli and his MHP, you know, going uh, into the elections whenever they may be. But that's not the case for Mr. Bacheli. For Mr. Bacheli, he has two priorities. First, to make sure that Mr. Erdogan doesn't go back to talking uh, with the Kurds. And second, the fight with Fethullah Gülen, FETÖ, continues like it has been uh, for the past couple of years. So these are the real priorities of Mr. Bacheli and, you know, not getting X much of vote share in the in the next elections. So their their objective functions are rather different. You're saying that you're not expecting a snap election, even not an early election. Uh, well, if we specify the period that you don't foresee an election, that's six months, right? Conversion of Hagia Sophia into a mosque once again will not bring a very big amount of waters back to AKP. There's something else you said about this decision. So if you push aside those, I kind of focus on what you said about conversion opening, whatever uh, phrase you want to use, of Hagia Sophia is a nice thing. People like the idea. So was it kind of an effort uh, to clear the air after so, so many months of lockdowns and pandemic fears in the country, coupled with the economic crisis? Yes, but there is more to it. I think there's a, there's a longer gameplay here. It is that Erdogan is really changing his tone 
and his identity, the, the identity that he wants to prioritize, he's really changing that in an irreversible way. And I think conversion of uh, Ayasofya uh, was one of them. And I think we will see more similar acts in the in the near future up until the elections. And I think it's also part of Erdogan reprioritizing his Islamist or more religious identity. And I think he will go into the next elections with that identity as the showcase identity. And I think he will increase such act uh, in the coming time. Now, obviously, I don't, I can't really speculate on what he has in mind, but I think we will see more these kind of moves uh, uh, on his side. During the pandemic months, uh, we we saw some kind of uh, an amicable atmosphere between the European countries, uh, between Turkey and the United States. But um, what you're saying, and I totally agree, that Erdogan in his final round of leadership, in his final round of uh, governance, he wants to opt for a more Islamic legacy sort of sort of Islamism. Aldo has backers inside Devlet Bahçeli's MHP. Bahçeli has also been, as a leader, more concerned with the Turkishness of the Turkish Republic. And until until so far, he had been very loyal to Atatürk's legacy. So if Mr. Bahçeli's a governing partner, Mr. Erdogan, is turning to a more Islamist tone and if he's aiming to change the course of the Turkish Republic on the centennial of the Turkish Republic in 2023, will Mr. Bahçeli be okay with this project? I know that's a huge question. <laughs> that's a million dollar question, John. More than a million, probably several answer. billion yeah. dollar question. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I mean, no, that's something definitely to consider. But again, you know, uh, maybe let's leave it at that because it will be uh, too speculative at this point, uh, at least. But that's definitely something to consider uh, going forward. Well, I mean, we have to wrap it up for today anyways. Thank you very much for your insightful remarks uh, as ever. We'll be watching uh, the developments in Turkish politics very closely during the hot summer months, uh, during the hot summer weeks, and uh, we'll be uh, coming back to you next week on Zeitgeist Turkey. Until then, stay healthy, stay safe, and take care. Goodbye. Bye-bye.